Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Money starts right now, live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Pete Najeri and Tim Seymour, Dan Nathan and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, a sea of red on Wall Street as the market heads back to the October lows. But which names can survive the sell-off? The top technician tells us the two names, he says, are a screaming buy right now. Plus, Morgan Stanley's Mike Wilson out with a warning. Do not buy this dip. He will be here to explain why it's time for the bulls to take a back seat. We start off with the market sell-off. The Dow sinking more than 600 points at the lows of the day, closing down about 550 points. For those keeping score at home, that's nearly 1,000 points in two days. And the Bears certainly on the attack. The Dow and S&P 500 erasing their gains for 2018. Now both in negative territory. The S&P firmly in correction, with nearly half the stocks in the index sitting in a bear market. The Nasdaq plunging from its highs down a whopping 15% from the peak. So with seemingly no catalysts in sight as we head into the end of the year, is the market heading straight into bear country, which would be another 10% down from here. Pete, what do you say? Well, you know, I think it'll approach those levels. I mean, Steve Grasso was on with you today at Power Lunch. Mm-hmm. I thought he was fantastic with the charts that he had up there. And he was talking about different levels. And he talked about earlier this year, October, but also going back to that January, February drop that we had. So can we test those or maybe even break through those? I think absolutely we can at least test those levels. So Yes, but the one thing that is interesting to me, and I know Dan watches just like I do, we look at the VIX all the time, right? I I, I do, and I think it's more meaningful than I think sometimes we've discussed than you do. But the fact that when we've gone up recently, Mel, and we've had multiple 500 down days now. So under those circumstances, I'm shocked that we're looking at a VIX that's trading at 22, 23. I just find that unbelievable. The reason I do is... Given the movement, it's low, but given the intraday movement, it's extremely low. Because if you look at today, we were down 550, what rallied all the way be? back to, oh, I think, I think we should be approaching 30. Well, and by the time we get there, sorry, but right. by the time we get there, I think then we'll finally see the whoosh down effect that we haven't seen yet. Yes. I just, you know, if you think about the long-term uh, average on the VIX over the last 20 years, it's actually closer to 18, 19. So if you think about where markets have been, this cuts to where we talk about the central bank put that's basically pulled all the volatility out of the markets. You take central banks out of the liquidity game and, in fact, put them into a place where they're tightening, and you should be elevated. And as Pete pointed out, like the S&P has been uh, down 23, I think, of 29 days, ultimately. And you're in a, a, we've been 23 of 29 days below the 200 days. So this is a dynamic here where if you look at markets, that should be telling you a character change. And yes, I think volatility is higher. Yeah, I would just mention that, you know, you can focus on the VIX if you want. You could also look at other risk assets that are moving around a whole heck of a lot. I thought Bitcoin, but I know we're going to talk about it later. I thought its total collapse this week was showing that it is very correlated to risk assets here. That was one of the bull features. Cannabis, too. Cannabis, Cannabis, too. I mean, crude oil. I think that gap today at the lows after the month that it's had was pretty nasty. So when you start to see risk assets correlate like that, especially to the downside, those rem- that's reminiscent of what we felt in the summer of 2015, the fall of 2016, you know, those sorts of periods where we had a lot of volatility. So, you know, to me, I just don't know what the catalysts are. Like you just said, Mel, I think the Fed could be turning into a kind of reverse catalyst no matter what they do in a few weeks. Kramer was saying one and done is what Jerome Powell 
could say, which could be a catalyst for the Fed. And I would also posit President Trump could say, we've got a deal when it comes to China. But those two sorts of catalysts, we don't know if they're going to come. We don't no, know no. if they would ever happen. And my pushback, my pushback to the Fed would be, I'm uh-huh. not necessarily sure over the longer term that is particularly bullish. I think for a day or two, that language would be bullish. And I think the market would say, well, wait a second. You know, the Fed's not moving for a reason. What's really behind the door? Then I think the market would go lower. In terms of President Trump and the Chinese, I've said this for a while, and I do believe it. You know, I think everybody thinks when President Trump is ready to make a deal, there's a deal to be made. I don't necessarily agree with that. And by the way, each day our market goes lower, it gives more leverage to the Chinese, in my opinion. In terms of the broader market, I've been in the 25-30 camp in terms of the S&P. It's about, give or take, 100 so S&P points away, which, quite frankly, isn't that big of a deal in a broader context. And I'll say this as well as in terms of stocks. We have, we've been doing this show for a long time. You know, people come on and say, you know, when, if Apple were to pull back 20 25%, that would be the buying opportunity of a lifetime. If Facebook were to have one of these moves lower, be the, and now here we are in the midst of Well, they've of let this. us. Right. Let's be clear. I mean, 100%. A, a, Apple, and, for the last three weeks, is the reason why markets are doing what they're doing. They're not the reason, but again, you have had 25% pullback in Apple, peak to trough today uh, in about 30 sessions, which is extraordinary. And the story has changed, right? Has the story, the story changed? The story well, might have changed. But, well, no, I mean, Dan's going to yell at me, which is fine. Sure. What's but, new? The, but the story in Apple might have changed <laughs> What's God, for the it's, better. It's, now, MAGA, just, though. it's, it's, it's the not better. just one stock. It's the story changed in three of those. There were fundamental reasons you could put your finger on why they started selling off at peak valuations. You know, listen, guys, I mean, it's not really that hard, right? The, all the gains in the entire U.S. stock market were in five stocks, and they all started going down together at the exact same time. Do you think today, time. just as an example, though, do you think today, given the fact that you looked at Amazon, right? And Amazon at one point in time really got slammed early in the day. It was down 100 points, right? It rallied back, actually got into positive Facebook territory. Too. Yeah, a couple of different names actually did the same thing. Apple was not one of them. Apple got off its lows, never got into green again. Do you think there was enough volume that there was any capitulation at all in some of those names? Because when you're starting to see very close to double what the normal volume is, starts to make you feel a little bit better that maybe we're starting to scratch that. I'd like to see another day of that because it's just one sample set of today, but maybe tomorrow and you know, or next week, we see some of that. I think the greatest fears of the market should actually be focused on credit. I think we did the, a good job on this yesterday and not patting ourselves on the back. I'm saying equity investors need to understand that usually the credit guys are well ahead of them. And what we're starting to see is you've got high yield at 30-month lows. We've had seen indiscriminate selling. It was actually better today uh, in terms of the folks that I spoke to in the pits there. But you know, bottom line is if credit is deteriorating, that is very different than every other correction we've had in this market in the last couple of years. We haven't seen a real correction in the credit market since kind of fourth quarter 2015. And remember, a lot of that also was around the energy sector. And, and once again, we're getting these outsized moves in energy and yep. in the distressed markets and credit markets, that's where they're going after the stuff right now. All right. For more on today's sell-off, let's bring in Mike Wilson, Chief U.S. Equity Strategist at Morgan Stanley. Mike, great to have you back with us. Thank you. Um, we've already said that you say don't buy this dip. So when will you know uh, when the selling is pretty much done? Where are we right now? Well, I'd like to see price action change a little bit first, right? So, the, I mean, the title of our note was really uh, look, this is a, we're in a bear market. Don't trade it like a bull market, right? I mean, the price action has changed. It's been changing all year. This is not the first dip that failed, by the way. Uh, we've had multiple dips this year that have not been rewarded by buying them. And so it's just different, right? And it, it all stems back to liquidity and the Fed and the tightening of financial conditions. That's our thesis all year. It's been this rolling bear market. We finally got to the, the big tech stocks. So I actually think we're about 90% of the way done with the valuation damage that's going to happen. 
what we're waiting for now is just the earnings going to be cut, right? So why are stocks selling off? They're selling off because they know that next year is not going to be great, that the earnings numbers are too high. And that's our margin call. So we think that, that that's going to take time because companies are not going to come out and just take numbers down between now and January. You've got to wait for January, then you've got to wait for April, then you've probably got to wait for July next year. It's going to take time. It's like a drip, drip, drip. So it's going to be a process. We're going to wait for price action to tell us that it's better. And then we're going to want to, we want to see the numbers come down and we want to do see the Fed uh, say something more dovish that maybe they're closer to being over. We're already through earnings season. So whatever guidance cuts we're going to get for 2019 have almost pretty much happened if they have happened. And they probably won't happen until they report the fourth quarter. So U.S. strategists, you come out around this time of the year, beginning of next year, and you, you set your price targets for the S&P 500, which yep. is based on an earnings forecast. So is it your expectation that those will come down meaningfully across the board pretty much? Because that's what it sounds like needs to happen as well. That's right. So they're done for the third quarter. Nobody guided for 2019. Typically, yep. companies don't guide for the full year until January, which is why the numbers only came down about 1.5% for 2019. Pretty minor. Um, so we do think that'll start in January, but we think it'll be slow because companies don't like to deliver bad news. They usually deliver bad news when they're forced to. And analysts usually don't kind of you know, move ahead of that. So we're going to be, our forecasts for next year are going to be below consensus on, on what we think earnings are going to be. But the market doesn't necessarily believe what Mike Wilson believes. It wants to know what the consensus is. That's going to just take some time. So, is that a third person reference? Because we'd like to do that on the show. <laughs> well, what does Mike Wilson popular. believe right now in terms of earnings? I mean, I think they're going to be up a couple percent at best, two, three percent. couple percent. Yeah. And, and the street consensus as of a couple months ago was 10, 11. Yeah. Now it's eight and a half. Seven. So it is yeah. coming down. It's coming down. Uh, and interestingly enough, in October, gross stock estimates for next year came down more than value stocks. I mean, our big call is just a rotation to value from growth, not because growth or value is so fantastic, but because growth was just too expensive, right? And so the numbers if one of your concerns is liquidity concerns, and part of that is driven by the Fed, when you see the Fed funds rate sort of coming down when it comes to expectations for various rate hikes, whether it be for December, which has come down to 70 or 69 percent, depending on what reading you, you want to look at, um, and then next year taking out the March hike and going to June. I mean, does that make you a little bit more constructive on the markets as sure. you see that come down? I mean, the two big issues for us were financial conditions and yeah. that growth was going to peak. So the financial conditions thing is still tightening, right? And the Fed is not backing off. By the way, we also wrote that we don't think they should be. They're doing their job. That's the problem is that people expect the Fed to bail them out, but they're not, that's not their job. Their job is to slow the economy when it overheats. And believe me, the economy is overheating. That's the trick is people's like, oh, the economy's great. Or, yeah, but we know what happens next. It slows down. Third and person thing confuses me. That's Mike Wilson over there, right? <laughs> I did introduce him as Mike Wilson no, and Morgan get, Stanley. Like three guys. You, you know all of us for years. Yeah, no, that's that's a, Mike it Wilson. It throws me off. Yeah, anyway, your but question I, well, to Mike Wilson. My, I'm going to ask him a question. I keep reading, I keep hearing this is the greatest economy in the history of our republic. And we know that the stock market and the economy are two entirely separate things. So given that backdrop, why should the Fed slow down? Exactly. So that's why we're, in, we're stuck. And the market knows that. And we, I think the market knew that all year. I mean, what changed in the fourth quarter of last year, which got us a little bit less bullish, uh, and by the way, a year ago, I was the biggest bull on Wall Street, how things changed so quickly. But the, the, the bottom line is that we thought the Fed, last fourth quarter, was moving in a much more deliberate way than they had since the financial crisis. Rightly so, right? We got a fiscal tax cut. We got, uh, obviously, full employment. We had uh, CPI, core CPI, moving towards 2%. So they, they should have been moving in a more deliberate manner. I just don't think the, that people believe them. And now that they've moved in that direction, well, here we have it. We have, a, we have an asset correction. It's, it's, it's the normal course of business. This is, this is very natural at the end of a, of a bull market 
that needs to consolidate. Okay. So just to button this up, Mike Wilson, uh, you like utilities, healthcare, energy, and banks, and you like this even though there could be some more downside ahead. Yeah, well, look, that's a very value-oriented bet, right? right. So it's defense, it has a defensive skew to it. We, you know, we did upgrade a lot of defensive stocks in the summer. So remember, value has defensive stocks and cyclicals. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I will say is that the cyclical stocks have already discounted an earnings recession. That's the trick is that these stocks have discounted a lot of bad news already. They'll be the first ones to recover. <laughs> Once the Fed stops, look for those stocks to lead. Mike, thank you. Thank you. Great Thanks for having me. Isn't it great having Mike Wilson on? Oh, Mike is. Wilson All three of Morgan yeah. And if I were Tim Seymour, I, I would say that if the Fed actually stopped hiking in March, uh-huh. um, I'd be very concerned. Um, and again, we, we want to see that. I, I realize that rate expectations for the December uh, Fed meeting are, are slipping. Um, but they're slipping also because they could probably then just go in January. Uh, bottom line is, I, I think if the Fed steps out of the next two cycles, uh, it would be a significant indictment on markets. I would also just point out really quickly, European markets would concern me more than anything. I'm talking about Italian bond yields. I'm talking about European consensus politically. I think that is breaking down and markets are not pricing that in. You buy anything on this pullback that we've seen? The only thing I grabbed today was a regional bank. It was actually Regions Financial. Um, and, and interesting that he brings up energy because Encana was one of the other names. It's been absolutely, energy's been absolutely just powered to the downside. I mean, yeah. it's unbelievable the bludgeoning that they've got, they've, they've taken so far. But Mike is talking about most of the damage is done. So that's what makes this whole thing tricky is if we see another push to the downside, is it on big volume and how far does that go? Yeah, I, I mean, listen, he's talking about most of this correction. When you think about what's going on, yeah, our economy is overheating, but you know what's not overheating right now? Asian economy, uh, European economy. I mean, we could be on the cusp of a global synchronized slowdown here. And that, you know, maybe U.S. will be that best house. We've used that, you know, in a bad neighborhood. We've used that a lot over the last five years. But one group that you do not want to be in, and I forget your regionals, is the money center banks here in the U.S. and they've, they've already, totally outperformed? The, well, well, okay, Tim. I, I mean, maybe on valuation. <laughs> but but you think but of I mean, this late in the them. cycle and the way that they have performed them. Them. over the last year? Can you think of a scenario why they should outperform, other than based on value? I, I just, there you J- go. JP Morgan. I mean, sir, you know, JP Morgan is okay. Fine. Is Buy JP Morgan all day long. That's the one. You done? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. I mean, because yes. Well, when you say I'll perform on on what what time? Like the last two weeks during during at least the past month. No, I'm saying sure. relative to itself in terms of companies that are off their 52 week highs. J.P. Morgan is six percent off its 52 week high. Most of the market is about 22 percent. Goldman off their Sachs is about 10 high. bucks away from the day that the look at the camera, Trump not at me. We're in a split screen. No, no, it's straight funny, on. I mean, you're you're a good looking guy for your age, you know. So I like to kind of get a get a really good look. <laughs> Jokes at you. Like, are one way to get out of a conversation. I'm going to pull the plug on this last word. Simply. Banks have the most defensible position in terms of they just had record earnings. Their valuations are the most in line. And but frankly, if interest rates totally are wrong, if interest rates are going higher, record, they're going to be more profitable until there's a credit process. Notice before. I'm still in the box. You're not even there. No, oh, actually, you're back. You're out. All right, All right. Boom. Stop it's it. over. All right. Marshall. If you are worried the dreams of a year-end rally are going up in smoke, don't worry. A top technician has two names he says can survive the sell-off. That's next. Plus, crude collapse down 7% today, hitting its lowest level in more than a year. And energy stocks getting slammed. We will explain why the selling might not be over. And later, it is the retail apocalypse. Another slew of earnings reports taking down the entire group are the hopes of holiday rally dead on arrival with 35 days away from Christmas, by the way. Live from uh, Times Square, New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. (laughs) Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? 
Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customer Customizable charts and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Saudi Arabia, uh, if we broke with them, I think your oil prices would go through the roof. I've kept them down. They've helped me keep them down. Right now we have low oil prices or relatively, I'd like to see it go down even lower. That was President Trump moments ago discussing oil prices as the commodity sank 7% today, falling below the $54 barrel mark. That is the lowest oil's been in more than a year. The move slamming energy stocks, the worst performing sector today. Names like Marathon Oil, Schlumberger, and Anadarko, uh, Halliburton, ConocoPhillips, all sinking double digits in just the past month. So will President Trump's wish come true? Is oil headed even lower from here? Guy has a conspiracy theory. Go ahead. Well, his wish is coming true. Oil's going yes. from $71, give or take, to where we are now, which is a significant move. The last $7 has been basically a vapor trail to the downside. And do I have a conspiracy theory? Yeah, I do. I'll say this. You know, it's interesting that oil's going down after this alleged assassination in Turkey, whatever happened there. And now President Trump seems to be absolving the Saudis of any guilt. One has to wonder what's the quid pro quo on the back of that. Tell you what, get oil lower and we'll call this thing uh, all fair and square. I think there's some truth to that. So can oil continue to go lower from here? Probably yes, but at a certain point, markets take over and supply and demand kicks in. What, what, what is one of the most remarkable kind of industrial growth sectors in this country? It's the alternative energy space, uh, shale and you name it. So be careful what you wish for. The part of the market's getting destroyed right now, by the way, are a lot of U.S. companies, a lot of balance sheets that had started to repair themselves. $80 oil is fine for this economy. Let's be clear. That higher, higher prices in the form of oil are not what's going to ail this economy. It's input prices, by the way. It's what we're seeing, not necessarily from energy and commodities. So you want asset price inflation, you want to see oil prices higher. Uh, we don't want to see oil prices lower. I don't agree with the president. I mean, at what point do you get worried that oil prices have dropped this much? Well, that was the story, I think, back yeah. in 2015, when the dollar started rallying after QE, right? Oil got destroyed, and then it became a credit event. And that's really what got on people's radars. So, um, you know, I, listen, this is not, but again, it goes back to the conversation we were having before. When you see risk assets, and, real, and, and I... No, 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 it's not a split up. Just so you guys know, my wife just texted me. She goes, I never want the show i just watch is it always like that <laughs> sarah and she yes. goes you need to meditate all right but yes, you do we're cool right tim thanks for watching sir right, thanks for watching cool. what are you buying the oil space always if anything cool. you mentioned Akana. well I, I mentioned Akana, but here's the thing that, that, uh, that gets lost i think a lot of the time too is rotation we talk about it all yeah. the time right we talked about rotation of how about the rotation out of things as well? And energy had that nice move to the upside, the Exxons and Chevrons and everything else. And I think what you're seeing now is oil's coming down. That's why I think it's such an accelerated move to the downside. There's that rotation out of certain assets. That's one of them, along with materials where there's just 
all this selling pressure that's hitting on top of it. But is it a read on global growth, guys, on demand? I mean, for a long time, is it that hearing this over the last month. I mean, I, I just, I, I, I think it's supply. It's a read on bad positioning also by traders and mar- margin calls coming in. Margin right? calls. We're getting taps on the yeah, shoulders. I think we got to a look, side. There needs to be supply-demand balance in oil, and we'd gotten to a place for two years. We actually worked off tremendous over, you know, oversupply, and I think that was where we got to. I don't think that demand, by the way, uh, it's probably going to still be up about two, 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 two and a quarter percent year over year. Demand hasn't fallen off. No. It's it's supply. All right. The tech drain continues as some of the hottest stocks of the year are cooling off. A top technician will tell us what it means for the broader market next. Plus, chances are you probably own a few stocks that are getting swept up in this market carnage. So how do you know when to sell in a sell-off? What's Guy think? Uh, Guy will break it down, actually, Tim. I'm glad you asked. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC. Here's what's coming up tonight. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. The once hot momentum trade is losing steam and taking the rest of the market down with it. Josh Lipton's in San Francisco to break down the moves for us. Hey, Josh. Melissa, let's start with some of those big tech names that helped drive this market higher. Now, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google Parent Alphabet have collectively lost about one trillion dollars in market cap from their recent highs. Let's put that another way. That's what Apple was worth towards its peak not too long ago. Speaking of Apple, another tough day for bulls there. That stock down nearly 20% so far just this month. Goldman's Rod Hall slashed his price target to 182. That's down from 209 in part because he says sees weakness in demand for its products in China. Then there are the chips, which we know have been under pressure, though some of those chip names were in the green in today's trade. You take NVIDIA, Citroen, on research, which had shorted NVIDIA, as you guys well know, indicating it's now long. Applied Materials, Texas Instruments also higher, as well as Micron, despite the downgrade we saw there from Baird. Social media stocks, mixed bag, Twitter in the red, Snap just edging higher in today's trade. And sort of those high-flying cloud names like Salesforce, Adobe, didn't, too much, didn't do too much today, though. They did get whacked this week, both, though, still up strongly so far in 2018. Guys, back to you. All right, Josh, thanks. Let's trade it. Who do you think, uh, which stock is over in terms I, of the momentum trade? Well, I tell you what, I look at semis, and, and until we get any clarity on China, it's very difficult for me to see, both in terms of the cyclicality, the way businesses seem to be holding back on spending, and just the dynamics of trade. So jumping into the, the semis, essentially we've hit a double, a double bottom here somewhere around 88 on the SMH. Um, I don't think this is the time to run back into that trade. Are you in Intel still? I am. And Intel's held up reasonably well, but NVIDIA is one that really intrigues why do you me. Hold, why do you hold on? 
because I think I, I believe in the story. I believe in what they the, what they're doing in terms of market share in different areas, data center and so forth. I think they're actually stealing some from Nvidia right now. But I still got to get a CEO's one of these days. I mean, sooner or later, right? I mean, it seems like this has been a very long time. I think if they go in the right direction there, that will give the stock a little bit more of a boost to the upside as well. You know, one name I think it's worth looking at, we were talking about Facebook for a bit last night. You know, I, I just don't know how Twitter does not have a difficult 2019. We were saying, how do you not extrapolate some of the issues that Facebook's having with what is going to be a huge push for bipartisan regulation? Look at that thing. That's kind of the triangle of death. Maybe Varone can speak to that a little later here. Um, but there were three things in that quarter. When it gapped up last month that I thought were kind of troubling, although investors didn't seem to care. MAUs, they lost monthly active users, 9 million. They blamed European regulation, okay? And then we also had DAUs, daily active users, decelerated that growth, okay? And they also gave what I think is optimistic guidance for margins. I think for 2019, that's likely to come down. That one, if it breaks that neckline, I think you're going to see it in the mid-20s in 2019, early. I think I thought I saw a smirk out of Chris Verone when you said triangle of death. We'll ask him about that that's later. A Term. Oh. I mean, in your, in your mind, term. it might be a technical term. Right. Um, Chris here says that oh. you should ditch momentum stocks. He's uh, got two other stocks to buy amidst the carnage. So Chris Verone, as we mentioned, of Strategus Research Partners at the Plasma to break it down. Hey, Chris. Hey, Melissa. Yeah, so what we want to talk about is, A, what we can't own, and then, B, what we think we can start to buy here. We'll start with what we can't buy. Uh, these are the cues, the well-defined uh, uptrend over the last several years. We know we've broken that. We've now made a lower low uh, underneath uh, those October lows. And frankly, that rally failed right where it should have failed, at the 50-day moving average. So until the pattern of lower lows changes here, uh, I think the burden of proof here is on the bears. Uh, and any bounces back to the 200-day moving average uh, probably has to be sold. Uh, I think ultimately 170 is resistance here, and we're going to have a tough time doing much better than that. And if we pick apart some of the pieces uh, and we look at what uh, we really think has more downside here, I think PayPal uh, is a great example. Now, this is a name that is sitting right on major support. This is $73. We think ultimately that has to fail. In corrections, there are no protected stocks. There are no sacred stocks. And ultimately, even the best ones get hit. We think there's more downside that we have to work through here. And I think the best of the best uh, is Microsoft. And this one has to get hit harder uh, as well, sitting right on the 200. We just don't think you can go through this corrective phase with Microsoft holding the 200. We think ultimately 85 or 90 might be the right price here, uh, not 101. So what can we buy on the other side? I'm going to talk about a couple here. This is an oil play on the other side. This is United Airlines, UAL, acting great in the tough tape, actually making new relative highs versus the S&P. So here's a leadership name starting to break out, doing it in relative terms. And I'll give you one more here in healthcare. I think Amgen is interesting. Another name making relative highs versus the S&P in a pretty tough tape. We're on the verge here of breaking out. So better looking stock. Relative highs, Amgen, UAL, improving. I think it's too early to call bottoms on PayPal uh, or Softy. All right. Chris, why don't you come on over? Stephanie will bring the chair in. Thank you, Steph. We don't vote. Just so we're clear as we There's head into the There's no voting anymore. We don't no voting vote anymore. That's it, Dictatorship. right? Dictatorship. When it comes to inviting people over to this, <laughs> when it comes to inviting people over Probably to this, it should be. All right, so so with the more downside on the Nasdaq, does that necessarily mean that there's more downside on the S and P 500? Yeah, and I don't know if it happens in the next two weeks, but I think we're probably looking at lower prices into the first quarter of. 2019. I recognize seasonality is a tailwind here, and it's not out of the question you get some. Other type Chris, of Pete's got a bug swarming yeah, around him. Yeah, there's something He's around not here. So sorry, funny. Got me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. Go ahead. Sorry. sorry. 
goes with the too good looking. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, listen, I think ultimately uh, lower prices at some point. Um, uh, there's certainly a seasonal tail when you could get a bounce. But what I think stood out to me about today is there was more calls bought on the S&P than puts. That's not real fear. Right? Good lows are accompanied with uh, cathartic moments, right? Panic. Panic, yeah. anxiety. That wasn't present today. The trend reading today was like 1.4. You want that above 2 or 3. So I think there's probably more work to do on the downside. The question is, is it in the next two weeks or is it in the first quarter? My gut would be probably the first quarter of 2019. Is there such a thing as a bottom that is made gradually as we're seeing? Because there are some, some I mean, we, I talked to a lot of strategists during the day on Power Lunch, and some of them seem to believe that that can happen, that there doesn't have to be this big moment of fear or capitulation, that this can happen over time. We've, we've looked at lows back to the 1940s. I can't find a good one where there's not a cathartic, fearful moment. Back to the 1940s. Now, All right. what we see is there's often a bang, right, a high-volume, high-drama day that's followed by a whimper, a lower volume, less dramatic, even an undercut of the low. Have we had the bang yet in this moment? I'm, I'm not convinced that we have had seen that moment just yet. Chris, so um, Pete was talking earlier about, you know, rotations. Throughout this year, we've seen a lot of rotations, but a big churn year. Are there if let's just say that the mega cap tech is not going to be the leadership if we come out of, if we do bottom, is there a, a couple of groups of stocks that can do that, can take the place of mega cap tech? Well, I, I think this is an important question. If we're going to come out of this with adorable advance, rotation isn't going to be good enough. We're going to get new money into this market. We're going to need to see evidence of stocks actually being accumulated. I don't think we've seen a lot of evidence of that in the last 12 months. And you know, we talk about this rotation game. Surely, if there's all this rotation, there must be a rotation winner somewhere. And I don't know of any rotation winners, right? I don't know who's selling tech at the right moment to buy healthcare at the right moment. So I think ultimately real money has to come in. And we haven't seen that in 12 months. To answer your question, not that Chris didn't answer your question, I have to capitulation. I happen to think the or tops, of death. tops okay. are processes yeah. and bottoms are events. Right. And I'll give you Great. an event. And Pete was about to say this, not that I'm speaking for Pete, okay. but he was going to mention NVIDIA. And we talked about it last night. And we said, if you happen to see a day where it goes down to 138 or so on big volume and reverses, that's your day. That's exactly what happened today. It traded three times normal volume, traded down to uh-huh. that 135 yep. level that we had talked about while I was in the car on Thursday, yep. while our governor was playing cribbage in the storm, if you recall. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. So what that cribbage? was an event. What is, Pardon what is cribbage? Some old I'm not really sure, or something. but it sounds good. Um, but, but on the topic of reversals, that. I mean, we've seen sort of that, well, I don't know, I didn't look at the volume on Facebook or Amazon, but intraday, we did see Facebook finish in the green. I mean, it did reverse. Are these positive signs? Yeah, I, I think there's been enough damage done in a lot of these stocks where a bottom isn't a one-day event. I, I think this takes months and months and months of repair, not different from what we saw in 2015, 2016, 2011, uh, 2012. These things take time. It's not a singular event. And just quickly, Chris, yeah. is there such a thing as the triangle of death? <laughs> it's the first I've heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're flying over, you're wrong, you're flying over Bermuda, so apparently it's a difficult it all thing. But. It's okay. I mean, it works for you. Whatever works for you, right? Yeah. I mean, Look, he's coining phrases right and left over here. Yeah. Give him some credit. Metaphor, some, some are going to be good. It's, 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 guys, this is my time to shine. We're going to segue okay, into something here. Okay. Go. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Right. Sticking with momentum stock, Salesforce plunging more than 20% from its high last month. The options market implying another big move for the stock when reports earnings next week. So what are you seeing, Dan? Yeah, I think Salesforce.com, CRM. This is a big one. Obviously, this is one where there was uniquely 
um, positive sentiment. About 9% implied movement over the next week or so. Most of that is for earnings. And like Mel said, the stock is in correction territory, but it's still up 17% on the year. A high valuation name. I think the most important thing is when you think about this is how will it react to news that is likely to be pretty decent? Will investors be thinking about it glass half full? Um, we have a chart here. It's a two-year. Look at this thing. It looks a lot like some of those momentum ones that Chris was just looking at. It broke that two-year uptrend. Um, that's pretty dicey. Look at the five-year now, and it just puts in perspective the move that this stock has had when it broke out in early 2017. There's not a whole heck of a lot of support if there's no fundamental reason to buy this stock on the downside near term. All right. Well, we are off this Friday, right. so oh. you can oh, pop whoa. into your VCR oh. rerun of Options Action. But we'll have a new full show next Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. You can always get us online, cnbc.com slash options action. Well, Target, Lowe's, and L Brands getting crushed off their earnings reports today. Is this just the beginning of a retail apocalypse? Plus, Bitcoin sinking 30% in a week. But Wall Street's crypto king, Bart Smith, says he'd still be bullish, even if it traded down to just a penny. Mm. Find out why when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. The retail wreck raging on today as another slew of earnings reports takes down the group. Let's get to Courtney Reagan back at headquarters for all the details. Hi, Courtney. Hi, Melissa. So the retail sell-off is about a couple things. First, the expense of fulfilling online orders. And then second, and perhaps more importantly, a fear that the good trends are ending and that consumer strength is waning. But let's start with an exception. After the bell, Foot Locker reported results beating on profit, revenue, and comps. And the CEO says the holiday quarter will be even stronger. Shares are higher by almost 13.5%. Now, Target shares shed 10.5% after a mixed report this morning. Earnings disappointed, revenues beat, comp sales missed slightly but grew more than 5%, with traffic up more than 5% too, and digital sales grew 49 That's their strongest yet, but margins fell because of the pressure from the cost of fulfilling all those online orders. Also from upping the holiday inventory, as Target expects it will be a strong season. Now Lowe's beat on the top and bottom line, but its comp sales and margins disappointed. Still, analysts like that new CEO Marvin Ellison is working on exiting some non-core businesses, and they think that home improvement backdrop is still supportive for Lowe's going forward, but shares down more than 5.5% today. L Brands reported after the bell Monday that share weakness, though, carried throughout today. The retailer named a new Victoria's Secret CEO, but slashed its dividend in half. Analysts think both of those moves do make sense, but fear that current sales weakness and margin pressure will continue for some time. Shares down more than 17%. Overall, investors seem to be worried that the best is behind us when it comes to retail and that the turnaround that we've been in started last holiday season and could be running out of steam. But Target and Best Buy CEOs, among others, are trying to assure the market that the consumer is just as strong as it was several months ago. We'll be the judge. we got Black Friday coming up this week. Melissa? Yeah, big day for the retailers and for you, Court. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Courtney Reagan. Um, Pete, I go to you first because uh, Target down 10.5%. Still love it. Uh, you Still know what? love it. Love when it you, when you look at the traffic numbers and you look at the, some of the comps and you're over 5%, I think that's amazing. I mean, it, double box it, people. Locker. Double box okay, it. Okay, where's the double box? What did I say to you last night? What did I say to you? Getting you those things is going to cost a lot of money. These guys are tripping over each other. Get you your digital stuff the digital, the digital growth is over 49%. It's over they 70% over the last two years. They sacrifice margins And they've given that. up some on the margin because of that. Now, they also added an inventory, and people view that as a negative. Maybe they're getting in front of something, in front of the holiday season, where they've got the strong consumer. 
Okay, and if they don't, this is what Courtney just said. The compares to last year, we're, oh, i, I got to tone it down here a little bit. Why? Get the split screen off. Get a little head screen off. Because okay, the wife's yeah. still watching here. But yeah. here's, the, here's the issue, right? So we have the all-important holiday selling season. They had difficult compares. If they don't, if they don't come in better than expected, what do you think is going to happen for the first few quarters? Not only that, how many billions of dollars in incentives did Amazon just get for their two HQ2s and stuff like that? Don't you think that makes it harder for these other retailers? to compete I think Amazon's the other re- getting billions are- and billions of dollars of incentives like oh, think about it can, from that standpoint can I play peacemaker here subsidize Amazon yes. I mean Peace, this is not let me, not let me play peacemaker like I believe I'm, I've got a Switzerland <laughs> I've got some Switzerland in the middle. here there's a couple things first of all I think the XRT is way oversold you've got a 29 day RSI which it hasn't been this oversold even through the lows of, of last year before we went into that holiday period but if I was going to play target versus the rest of the sector I'd actually be long target against Walmart I agree with you Dan I think they're all falling all over each other I think the trillion dollar consumables area is why Amazon's in this space. They want to be in fresh food. They want to be in these places with zero margin. Target is cheap to Walmart. That's the trade. And XRT is oversold into the holiday season where you're going to get good numbers. What side of the split screen are you on? Pardon me? Are you on the Pete side? You're on the Dan side? You're in the middle with the team? You in Switzerland? Where are you? I'm, I've been to Switzerland. It couldn't be a more boring place. I bet it's, oh, thank you. I bet it's beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. Nobody has called the Swiss out there. We don't want to offend the Swiss. No, I don't want to anyway, offend them, but it happens to be true. Please, please. Where do you fall on the retail trade? Europe closes at 7 o'clock. I'll say this. You know, Pete mentioned inventory. That's what I was going to mention. Inventories were up 18, 17.9% year over year. So this is what I would say. And I don't know the answer, but this is why people make the big bucks. If you believe that Brian Cornell is a great CEO, the fact that inventories are up that big, maybe he's saying exactly what Pete is saying. Maybe they're getting in front of something. But if this doesn't work out with those type of an inventory build, margins next quarter could be disastrous. Again, I don't know that what sounded the like, By the way, that sounded exactly like Switzerland. No, you, you, it was, no, no really, right it's down Italian. the middle. No, Chris, boring, I will say this. It's like UPS. Statement, the, it, it's all in how many people you hire or, or if you've hired too many, right? I mean, it's the same sort of an right. idea. Coming up, another wild ride for the markets today. The Dow falling more than 600 points at the lows of the session. As stocks continue to sell off, how do you know when it's time to wave the white flag? Guy Dotney has three things to watch. Plus, it is the crypto crime scene. Bitcoin crashing 30% in just the last shot. week. Are there any clues that a bottom could be in? Wall Street's crypto king, Bart Smith, will be here. More Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Bitcoin down more than 30% this week as the cryptocurrency fell to 4200 this morning, its lowest level in more than a year. Our Seema Modi is live at the New York Stock Exchange with more on the move. Seema. Melissa, that's right. Bitcoin down again today. It has dropped 65% so far this year and more than 75% from its all-time high last year. Now, the move south accelerated after a contentious dispute over Bitcoin Cash's hard fork, sparking investor concerns, adding to a whirlwind of regulatory worries over the SEC's enforcement against multiple digital currency platforms. Analysts say the broader equity market sell-off and the shift away from speculative momentum plays to higher quality assets is also driving Bitcoin's plunge. The broader crypto space has crumbled along with it. Many of Bitcoin's peers have fallen in tandem. Ether and Ripple down 8 to 9% each. The declines have taken a $700 billion chunk out of the total market cap of all digital currencies from their January highs. That's according to CoinMarketCap. Keep in mind, last year, Bitcoin gained about 70% between Thanksgiving and the end of December. Meantime, Fundstrat's Bitcoin bull Tom Lee just 
slashed his private price target to $15,000 from $25,000. As for technicals, some analysts say we could see minor support around $3,500 with the next major level being $3,000. Melissa, back to you. Seema, thank you. By the way, Tom Lee's uh, forecast, that's a year end, so it's like a month plus. For more on Bitcoin sell-off, let's bring in Bart Smith, the head of digital assets at uh, Susquehanna here on Fast Money. We do call him Wall Street's crypto king. Bart, great to have you with us. Hello. Um, is this capitulation? Have we found a bottom? Are we um, close to a bottom? Like, where are we in this sell-off? So there's a couple of factors that have led to this. Number one, the on-ramps for new capital is very difficult, right? And so if you're a high net worth person in the Western world or you're a global institution, it's still very difficult for you to buy Bitcoin the way that you might want to, right? So like a wealthy individual from the GI generation is not going to take a high-resolution you know, picture of their, of their uh, driver's license and send it to a website and send their money there, right? They want to invest at Fidelity. They want to invest at Bank of America. So that has led to the second problem, which is without the new capital on-ramp, liquidity has been very low. And, and so we've seen kind of a stable price all through the summer. We've talked about it ad nauseum on the show. It was at $6,000, give or take. But volatility got really, really light at the end of, of uh, October. The 10-day 10 10 yeah. realized vol was like nine. Was nowhere. Yeah. And so, and so what, what happens is in that environment, when you have a contentious fork, right, like you had yeah. Bitcoin Cash, and you could say that those two constituencies you know, contact to one another might be defined as juvenile, right? And it doesn't necessarily create a tremendous amount of confidence. And when those sellers come in, there's just no liquidity to absorb it. So without these new on-ramps that hopefully with backed and fidelity and further regulation in 2019, there's not going to be capital to soak it up. And so when you have, you know, sell-offs like this, you, you can absorb it. Is there a fundamental case for Bitcoin that can still be made at this point? I mean, the, the case for store of value seems to be a hard case to make at this point. And also, uh, the thinking that Bitcoin is a platform and that if, if it's built and it's being used, the price should go up, that doesn't seem like it's a good argument anymore either. Well, again, so the, the you know, Satoshi Nakamoto designed this, this algorithm so that the last Bitcoin would be mined in 2140 for a reason. This is supposed to be a long game, right? So there's a lot of talk today about the Thanksgiving table a year ago, and yes, Bitcoin was at 8,000, but the Thanksgiving before that, it was at 750. And the Thanksgiving before that, it was at 350. And in 2010, someone bought two pizzas for 10,000 Bitcoin that today would be worth over $40 million. So I understand the price action, if you bought at the day the futures you know, were launched in December to now, has been pretty painful. Uh, but listen, every great idea is volatile, right? Uh, Amazon, which we talk about over and over on the show, it went down 95%. went from 106 to $6, right? It, and, and people wrote it off as being dead. So... I think that, that, yes, the price action has been difficult, but the idea of having a peer-to-peer, sovereign, non-centralized you know, store of value or peer-to-peer you know, uh, 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 cash is something that's been desired for a long time. And the price action from now until the end of the year, where Tom Lee may or may not be wrong or into next year, is not going to define if Bitcoin is successful. Um, it's just, the, you know, the use of it, the usership of it has to expand. Does it hurt the trade, though, in terms of, I mean, if you think of Tom Lee as, as somebody from mainstream, you know, equity strategy, who's sort of bridging the divide by, by starting coverage of Bitcoin, issuing these price targets, for him to come out and stand by a $15,000 price target year end, does that ultimately hurt the space? In your view, you know, we, again, I, 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 do, I don't do price targets, right? So if someone asked me where, where could Bitcoin go, I would say, well, two Thanksgivings ago was at 750, and last year was at 19,500. So somewhere between there, right? Which is not a great market. Um, I think that we in this world think about Bitcoin 
as an asset class, right? And that's not what it originally was. And so we turn it into an asset class, and you know, we have discussions about the correlation to traditional asset classes. And you know, David Swenson, who literally wrote the book on endowment investing, you know, investing money into it, I think shows that there is you know, a, a value investing for money it. into businesses, though, as opposed to the, the cryptocurrencies themselves. That's correct. Yeah. And, then, and, and so I think, yeah, the, the, for this to be successful, usership has to increase. And that may or may not mean the value goes up. In the United States, it's difficult. Like, you know, Venmo and American Express right. works perfectly well for me. And so that was not necessarily what it was designed for. But the desire to have a non-sovereign, uh, you know, form of currency has existed forever. Remember, it came out of the depth of the crisis. Like, let's yeah. see what happens next year, right? Yeah. It, if, if, let's see if central banks in, in the United States and in Europe can really unwind this thing successfully. Right. And, then, and then we'll see, you know, what people want to own. Art, thanks for coming by. Always great to see you. Thanks. Art Smith, a.k.a. Wall Street's Crypto King. Uh, I think it's really on. important. Since we started talking about it, um, Bitcoin and, and other currencies, it was $100 billion, and it went almost to a trillion, and now it's back at 100. And I think you have to think about this as one position in a portfolio, low single digits, and if that's how you want to be exposed to this going forward, that's how you do it as a percentage of your portfolio. Still ahead. Digits. It's been a brutal couple of months for the markets, and if you've been burned by your favorite stocks, Guy here will tell you when it's time to hold them or fold them. Plus, let's get a check on our Kramer cam amidst all this recent selling. Jim says there is a silver lining to the market right now. What could it be? Find out top of the hour. Much more fascinating right after this. Stock seeing red today. S&P 500 falling back into correction territory, erasing all of its gains this year. Nearly half the index is now in a bear market, down 20% or more from their highs. As the sell-off has gotten brutal over the last couple months, Guy here has taught us how to spot a bottom, how to know if it's going to get worse, how to keep your cool amidst the chaos. But if you've been burned by the markets, he's got a new lesson on when to surrender to the selling in a segment we call The More You Know. Guy, take it away. Hi, everybody. Hi, Mel. Now, you're, saying, you're sitting at home and you're saying to yourself, yeah, you're telling me this now. Market's down 1,000 points in the last two days. Thanks for nothing, Guy. Okay, but you know what? Things are going to happen again. And so these are the things you should be looking for next time around. Let's take a look, Belms. Number one, stock doesn't rally on good news. Give me an example, Guy. I'll give you a great example. The first example over the last month or so was Netflix. Recall, they reported a ridiculously strong quarter. The stock went from about $330 to $360. We talked about it that night, said it better build on this. Otherwise, some bad things could be in store. And here we are $100 later. You say, that's just one example. Yeah, it is. I'll give you another one. Look at Macy's and look at Walmart. Same type of thing. Number two. Company throws you a curveball. In the business, we call that Tim and Uncle Charlie. Oh, who thank you. Yeah, or a <laughs> yacker. Who just threw us an Uncle Charlie recently? I'll tell you who did. Apple did. Guess what? They came with something completely out of nowhere, startled the market, scared a lot of people, and you've seen that stock go from roughly $215 when they set it down to current levels now. The market doesn't like curveballs. They like just batting practice fastballs. Unfortunately, you don't always get them. And the last one, and this is something that Pete talks about a lot on the other side. And listen, insider selling sometimes is scheduled. Sometimes they do it as part of a plan. But sometimes you see unusual insider selling. And I got to tell you something, like, like Eddie Murphy said in trading, not trading places, and coming to America. His mama named him Clay. I call him Clay. If an insider is selling, you should be selling as well. 
Guys, so Back, na- oh, hi, Tim. Sorry. Yes, yeah, so quick, nasty cheese up and in, brushing you off the plate. Great company. I think it's going lower. Would you sell it here in this market? Which one? Which one? It, it, Apple. How oh, about that? No, but I think I, it's this more is, about the concept. No, this is a level that people have been begging for. How many? T- I want Apple at 180. Here it is, folks. It's right there on that silver platter. <laughs> Thanks, Guy. That's the more you know. Up next, final trades. <laughs> Final trade time, Pete Najarian. Saw some call buying in Skechers today. They, their most recent earnings look pretty impressive. It's going higher. Tim. Airlines have been defensive. Oil prices are not. Don't sell your winners. Delta Airlines. Dan Nathan. Yeah, I'd sell as Delta. It's been in a trading range. And XLF, I think you sell at 246. <laughs> yeah, you've been wrong then. Split them up. You've been really? wrong. Split them up. <laughs> Split them up. Isn't it great that Dan's wife is watching and wants them medicated? Isn't it? <laughs> Meditate. <laughs> Meditate. Oh, oh, I thought it was yeah. Anyway. Quest Diagnostics ahead of their investor there you day. Go. There you go. All right, that does it for us. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast Mad Money. Jim Cramer starts right now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.